With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Welcome to another episode of Side Hustle Fridays. And, you know, one thing that I always grapple with, because this changes literally every year, there's two things. One is post-pandemic or during the pandemic, online e-commerce is obviously the direction everything is going. I've been talking to stores where people are unsolicited now, even calling up and saying, hey, do you have an online store to sell your products? Like I'm seeing this from people who, who, who have sold online before, people who have never sold online before. A lot of my friends are also, you know, when they got laid off or furloughed or whatever, they decided, hey, this is the time to make a product, source a product, sell it online. But then everybody wonders, how do we market these products? There's so much competition. How can we market our products better? So I wanted to learn the latest and greatest in online marketing. Like if I wanted to sell pajamas, for instance, how do I stand out among all the other people? So I asked my friend Anik Singhal to come on the podcast. Anik has sold over $300 million worth of products online in the past 17 years since he started going down the entrepreneur route. Uh, if I go to his website, there are there are testimonials like uh, Crystal started her business with no money and today earns multiple six figures while living in Colombia. Here's another one from another guy. Uh, Ratobin has sold over $5 million in products and now becoming the leading e-commerce coach in all of India. Here's another one. Aaron retired from the Navy and went on to sell over $1 million in e-commerce products in just over 12 months. And again, I want to be able to do this stuff and I want the listeners of Side Hustle Fridays to be able to do this. So Anik Singhal, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, James. It is an honor and such a pleasure. I've been following you for so many years. And uh, yeah, man, let's talk pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. I mean, there are things that are really working right now. Um, our company, just to give you an example for me, between all of my companies, not just my one company, uh, we've seen 150% growth this year, which is just insane because my businesses were already doing big numbers. And um, so, yeah, there's a huge flock to the internet world right now. Yeah, and and I'm seeing it in all the different like Facebook communities I'm in and LinkedIn communities and just from my friend, even my kids, they're all looking at like, oh, we could sell clothes on Depop or this or that. But like, I always hear these stories like, oh, me and my husband or wife, we quit our jobs. And a year later we were selling, um, you know, bathtub toys and making 15 million a year. And it always seems like kind of overly magical, but like what's, it can't be that easy. Like 
what's the basics? Like if there was one tool, and I know, um, you know, we've talked before about email marketing, like, let's say I have something to sell. What are the next steps for me if I want to sell a million dollars worth over the next year? Yeah, so so James, first we'll go, we'll make things even more magical. I know you said it's already sounding as magical. So e-commerce is awesome. No one's disagreeing with the fact that people are buying physical things on the internet that they need. That's never been my particular forte. Um, and I'll tell you why. Uh, it comes down to margins. So I am all about selling education on the internet. I'm all about selling content, selling information. Um, and that's what I've been doing for 17 years. The reason I got into that was because I found this business model while I was in college. And it made sense, right? In college, you pay thousands per year, not only for your education, but then for textbooks and all of that. And today, more than ever before, think about what's happening. Universities themselves are going online. People are more and more now comfortable with the idea of taking education on the internet. But even more so, people are also starting to realize that the conventional education they received is not enough. They need to improve themselves. They need to improve skills. They have time. Some people are improving just their hobbies. Forget about professional improvement, just personal improvement. Yeah, and 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 on, on, sorry to interrupt, but I, in terms of skill development, it's really true. Like right now, I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, because what you're saying is really resonating about education. Right now, three things are really resonating, which is that because so many people have been laid off and furloughed from jobs, people are very focused on what skills and what certification do I need? Do I need special certification? Do I need special skills? And I would say there's three types of skills. I would have said two until something you just said a minute ago, and now I say three. And so the three types of skills are hard technical skills, like whether it's setting up a blog or a store or an Instagram account or even all the way to hardcore programming. So these are hard technical skills. Then there's soft skills like marketing, content creation, storytelling, having a vision about products or ideas or business models. So that's like softer skills. And then there's a third set of skills, which is how do I get better given that I'm locked down and locked in my house or, or whatever, I've had more time away from work. How can I improve at the things I love doing? And is there a way to monetize them or, or even differently, is there a way to make money with less time so that I can have more time doing improving skills at the things I love? So it's, I could go either way. And so yeah. it seems like you're at the crux of answering all three of these questions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just look at myself as an example. I have been wanting to learn to fly for so long, for years and years. You just flap your hands really fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I thought, well, I'm going to be home. I have more time. And so I had this flight simulator kit. I set it up. But finally, I, I actually bought an online course that goes through the, 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 the what's the word I'm looking for? The instructional side of things that you need to learn to get your pilot's license. And so there you go. I'm buying education that I may not necessarily profit from, but it's something that I want to improve in myself. And so that's what our company does. And why I love email for it is- By the way, by the way, I am, you took an online course about flying a plane. I, you're not going to be the pilot of any plane I go on. Just making that clear right now. <laughs> Just let me know well, if I'm on a plane where you're the pilot. <laughs> well, don't worry. I'm still going to take the in-person training of flying a plane too, but you've got both sides. You've got to pass a written test as well. So that's what I'm learning for right now. But, um, you know, with us, why I love email marketing for this is the following. So with the physical product, perhaps you, you know, you buy, uh, you go to Amazon or you somewhere, you buy a mouse pad. Or a, or a mouse for your computer, right? 
The thing with physical products in many cases is that they're once in and done. So I, if I bought a mouse for my computer today, I might not need to buy another one for three years, four years, five years. So I'm not necessarily a recurring customer. However, in the education world, you're always a recurring customer. So if I'm a golfer and I enjoy golfing, uh, I'm going to buy a magazine for it. Why do I buy a magazine for golfing? Because I want to constantly see what's the latest, what's the greatest. I want to improve my skills over and over again. Uh, perhaps I'm into, you know, I have a business. I, I enroll into business magazines. So it almost comes down to this. If there's a magazine for it, so you can go to magazines.com. And if there's a magazine for it, it's likely a skill that you can monetize very well on the internet by selling information to. And why I love email is because email allows you to stay relevant with the person. So you're constantly emailing them with information, with content, with value, but you're also getting in front of them every time there's a new product or something out that you can sell. And that product just happens to be digital. So your margins are insane. So, so, so let me, what you said there is really insightful. So, uh, and I just, there's one real, I mean, there were a couple pieces of gold, but there's one thing that I never thought of before. So you're saying if there's like a magazine and let's be more specific, like a trade magazine for like, like tennis illustrated or, um, woodworkers international people who make, you know, furniture and chairs or whatever, like a kind of specific niche crafts or career oriented magazine. You're saying that that is a kind of a big clue, if not a hundred percent certainty that online courses catering to that is, is, and maybe even online products as well, but online courses have huge margins. There's, there's going to be a market for them. So if there's a tennis magazine or if there's a, how to make chairs magazine, chances are making an online course on making chairs will work as well. So yes. And I'll go one step deeper. So if there is a category on magazines.com that's covered, then I will tell you with assurance, 99% assurance that the world of digital publishing will be applicable. There is a way to profit. And however, digital publishing isn't just about making courses. So for example, I'm actually at magazines.com right now and I'm looking I, at I'm, it. I'm there as well since you <laughs> said it. So e eating well, parents. Yeah. So there's a category here for news and politics. So news and politics, I don't think you're going to make money by publishing a course about that. However, you certainly can make money in digital publishing. You have a website where you publish content. You'll make money through advertising. But again, your email list will drive traffic to it every day, monetizing you more and more. But then you look at something like, um, I'm looking at home and gardening uh, or psychology or business. Let's look, let's look at psychology. Sure. So if you look at psychology, now it depends on who, you know who's your target market. So if it's someone who's in the profession of psychology or is it someone who's trying to um, improve themselves through psychology. So you have to figure out what's the, who's the demographic, right? right? And I think the larger the market, the more you're going to earn. But then again, if I'm going to publish a course online that's only meant to be sold to psychologists, well, I can just charge a lot more, right? Smaller the market means the more specific your topic means you charge more. So I, I actually, yeah, the psychology is a bit uh, amorphous about what audience it might be. I'm trying to figure a, a category... Like, um, obviously there's categories. Well, like if I go to the hobbies category, here's one for fishermen, here's one for outdoor photographers, here's one for golf, here's one for watercolor artists. Um, so any of these, like here's one for quilting. Oh. Let's say, let's say, uh, quilting is the area I want to focus. What would you, what would you, so, so you're saying basically because there's a magazine called American Patchwork and Quilting, chances are there's digital products that can be made one way or the other, 
or I'll skip the line a little bit and say affiliate deals in the space, but there's some online business that can be done around quilting. What's the next step? Absolutely. So, um, and, and figure it this way, right? So quilting, there has to be, someone has to learn how to quilt. So all of a sudden, you know, for a fact that there's a, a possibility for doing a course. Um, while we were talking, I went to Facebook and I simply typed in into the top search bar. I typed in quilting. And the first thing that came up is a group with 147,000 members. Second one was 27,000 members. Third one is 19,000 members. So already, I can tell very quickly, there's a pretty active audience because you don't just join a group for something unless you're really passionate about it for the most part. So, so that's a great insight, by the way. So going to Facebook. So first you have the magazine gut check, like, oh, is this a category that people like? Then go to Facebook, type in the category and see how many people are members of groups. And I'll tell you, like quilting for beginners, I'm, I'm in it right now, is uh, 114,150 members, 170 new posts today. So it's an active group. Like you said, quilting, the group called Quilting has 147,000 uh, members. So altogether, and then that has 900 posts a day. Uh, there, there's Quilt As You Go, Quilting on a Budget, uh, Quilting 101, Sewing Room Ideas. Like these are huge. Modern Sew has 350 posts a day. Uh, Quilter's Market has 610 posts a day. So this is basically kind of further clarification that this is a, a good category. So whatever your category is, check it out in this way too. That's a good test. Absolutely. So the next step you asked is very simple. We're going to go to Google and we're going to type in quilting affiliate programs. And the reason we're going to do affiliate programs is because we could go down the whole alley of creating our own products, and that's fine, but that would probably take up another five podcast episodes. There's a lot of skills that have to go into just creating courses, sales pages, marketing, all of that. Why don't we just lean on someone else's massive expertise? They're already doing it. They have up products up. And I'm going to go to Google and type in quilting affiliate programs and see what is out there. There's probably starter kits I can sell and make 20, 30% commission. There's probably education I can sell and make 50, 60, 70% commission. That basically means that every time I send someone to that website and recommend their quilting program or kit, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to service the customer. I don't have to transact the money. If they buy... I get to collect whatever percent that company is willing to share with me. And so now I'm officially in the quilting business as a digital publisher. And all I needed to do, all I have to do now is just set up an email list so that people can start subscribing to me so that I can start sending them good advice, valuable content, and every now and then make a recommendation for a program that they can purchase. So for instance, um, here's like uh, Annie's Kit Clubs and they sell, I guess, their their quilt quilting kits and it's on a subscription basis and they're giving out $15 for every new member sign up. So if so, if you have an email and you say, Oh, I just spoke with Annie. Here's why I think her kit club's the best and you're sincere and it's accurate. Uh, and then you send somebody to their sign up page. Uh, it's all tracked with affiliate tracking software. You get $15 for every new sign up, and they're also offering 50% off the first shipment promo, like if you order like a bunch of kits, you get, or if you're, if the person you send orders a bunch of kits, you get 50% uh, of that first shipment revenues. So that's an example of affiliate program. Yeah, absolutely. And quite a few of them will even 
do something called cookie for life, which means that once you sent them, if that person spends any more money with that same program in the future, even though you, you know, you're done. I mean, you sent them. Right. They go directly ago. back to Annie after that. If they ever go back, that you still continue to earn from it. So I have so many places where I've built a recurring income of tens of thousands of dollars a month that I don't have to do anything for. It's just the person's bought a subscription that I get paid for every month. So, so obviously, if you have so, so on the one hand, this sounds, uh, uh, it, it's not as easy as it sounds. So, is what I'm saying. Like basically, if it sounds so easy that oh, if I, if I just build up an email list of a million people and one percent of them, you know, sign up for Annie's Kit Club, then that one percent is ten thousand times fifteen. I'm just going to make $150,000 every time I send people over to this affiliate program and then maybe another 150,000 next month when I send people over to the next affiliate program. But it's actually really hard to build up an email list of a million people. A million people for sure. It's going to take time. A million people by the time you get to, I mean, I have an email list of 1.2 million people and I've been doing this for 17 years. I have in my time collected about 7 million. So my 1.2 is an active list. Um, but here's what we found, um, and I've been teaching this for so long, I have actually found the number that I believe it takes in order for someone to be able to be financially free. Um, and by that, I mean replace their full-time job income, and that is 10,000. If you can build a 10,000 subscriber list using the mechanisms we teach and the, the, the way we provide value, um, 10,000 should be able to provide you with a minimum four dollars to $5,000 a month of income if you're doing it the right way. So if I'm just thinking... If I'm just riffing right now out of the box and I know nothing about quilting at all, but if I'm thinking to myself, hmm, how can I get 10,000 people on my email list? I would think to myself, okay, let's interview 20 of, uh, I don't know, the top quilters in the world and you know, interview them how they started, what are the basics to start, what are the benefits to quilting, can you make money from quilting, do, how, do they make a living? Like if I just do comprehensive interviews and I give that away. I compile that as a little giveaway book, like maybe a hundred pages, the transcripts, and I just give it. And then I buy Facebook ads on all these quilting groups on Facebook. And they, anybody going to that Facebook group sees this ad. Oh, you know, get my free interviews with the top 20 quilters of all time. You go to a page, my landing page, and you have to give your email address and sign up for an email list. And you, and, uh, you get the, my quilting book for free. And then I'll just hire, I'll outsource generating the latest quilting news content, which I'll send out five times a week on my email list just to keep people opening up my emails. That's perfect, dude. <laughs> I have nothing else to add. You might as well teach this for me. Yeah, that's no, no, exactly, no, but, but, that is exactly but, what I would recommend you do. And, and it is just as simple as that. It does not need to be any more complicated than that. So, so what, what, what would you do specifically? Like, let's say I didn't, you know, what, what's so another I, way? I would, yes, I would create something that's a free giveaway, something that's a value, and your idea was brilliant. Unless you yourself are a topic expert. So if you know quilting, but then great, right? To you know, put together something fun, 20, 30 page guide, beginner's guide to quilting. Um, or if you don't, interview someone and you'd be so people will say, Well, who will respond to me? It's a numbers game. If you reach out to 10 people, I guarantee you'll book two or three interviews. It's a guarantee. Try it. Yeah, no, that that's true. As a podcaster, I could tell you. It's it's about a six to one ratio, but for other industries, it could be a two to one ratio where yeah. you reach out to two and one person will say yes. Yeah. So I would put together something that you can give away for free. A download, it's not going to cost you anything. 
uh, could be a PDF, it could be an audio file. So PDFs can take longer to create, right? Because you got to edit and format. And so maybe it's just the audio or the video of your interview with the person, which is which really needs very little editing. Um, I'd put together what we call an opt-in page. An opt-in page literally just has a headline, has an image of what you're giving away, some bullet points, and a place to put in their email address. A lot of systems offer opt-in pages for free now. So if you sign up for most email companies, you know they charge 20, 30, 40 bucks a month, they'll give you a page builder with it. So you don't have to cost, you know, it doesn't have to cost you any extra money. Now, um, yeah, I would immediately run personally, right? I love Facebook and YouTube ads, um, but at the same time, I'm investing close to a million dollars a month in them. I'm very, very familiar with them. It's usually a little daunting for people that are just starting out. They don't want to invest money in traffic. No problem. Take those interviews that you did, post them up on YouTube. Um, you'll start to get some natural organic YouTube traffic. You're not going to get a ton. Now, I always say it takes time or money to build a business. You got both. That's great. But a lot of people are out there trying to build with none. So they'll tell me, hey, Onik, I don't want to invest any money in traffic. I don't want to do any Facebook. I don't want to do any YouTube ads or anything. Okay, great. Well, then we can get you traffic for free. Let's build you a Facebook group. Let's get you up on YouTube, posting a video or two a week. But unless you are one of the 0.1% lucky people that has something go viral, um, it's going to take time. The first video you post on YouTube will get four views. Then maybe the next one will get five views. And then maybe the next one will get three views. But over time, it'll snowball. And most people, they just don't have the patience. It's crazy. I watch students try to build businesses all the time. And it's like, we'll go to school for four years, slog away for the you know chance of getting a job. But we can't do four months of content creation dedicated on a platform to get because it's not enough people are seeing it early on. But I'll tell you right now, if you could devote two or three months where you put content out through a couple of different channels, Facebook groups, YouTube, you would look back three months later, you're going to have, I mean, you will have an audience. It's amazing. And, and that audience will just love you because like, they will have organically found you through content. Or do it the way I love to do it, which is I put that stuff together. I go to Facebook, run some ads. You'll have an email list sooner than you know what to do with. I mean, it's not hard. We've had students, the record holder in our company to get to 10,000 subscribers um, was three days. Wow, what category was that? Uh, I want to say it was in the financial space. This was years ago. Um, I want to put a couple caveats, though. This student was very successful. They had a lot of money. They came in ready to hit the ground running. Um, and so they poured investment capital in for that. But this is, what, four years ago? <laughs> Advertising was really a lot cheaper back then. They probably put about 15000 bucks in to get that 10000 list. But immediately, right from the get-go, they were making twenty to twenty-five grand a month from that list. Yeah, because if you have 10,000 people who are that eager for a PDF about the top interviews with the top quilters in the world, chances are they're buying quilting products. So if you build a list of 10,000, and we'll talk about good response rates in a second, but let's say even 1% resp you know, respond to an offer per you know every two emails, so it's a half a percent per email, you're still talking about making at least, you know, Four to ten thousand a month with just a one percent response rate on on a fifteen dollar on an offer where you get fifteen dollars. So quilting, in my opinion, is probably not the most profitable niche to be in. It's a it's a niche. It definitely can make money, but you would be surprised. Even in that space, with a good ten thousand person list built the way we teach, yes, four or five thousand a month minimum would be earned. Now take that same ten thousand person list and build it in something like investing or crypto or business or anything where 
or real estate, anything where people are more used to spending more money uh, constantly, and all of a sudden a 10,000 person list in that niche properly nurtured is worth ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a month. Now, I don't mean for everyone to just abandon quilting and run to that. In the end, you will stick it out and do really well with that which you love to do. So if you absolutely hate crypto, but you're going to go build an email list about it, you're going to fall apart in a few weeks because you're not going to enjoy it. You're going to not give good value on it. So you're not going to end up making a bunch of money. But if you love quilting, you will absolutely succeed. I mean, you will stick it out longer, especially those first month or two months, right? Because brand new business, you're just getting started. You have to learn how to write better emails, write better subject lines. And people think, I'm not a writer. Neither am I. It's it's pretty it's pretty formulaic. But you still have to learn it. And during that time, if you don't like the topic that you're talking about, you'll quit. So so you make a good point. First off, writing and copywriting are two different skills. You certainly do not need to be a professional literary genius to write emails. And by the way, if you're a literary kind of writer, you might be particularly bad at writing market marketing driven emails. They're two different skill sets completely as I've learned over and over and over and over again. So one one has nothing to do with the other. Uh, but let's let's break down the two different directions first, which is one is um, doing it organically, the other is like with no with no money and the other is spending money to speed up the process. So assume I have like some videos up there, assume I put it on Facebook, I also make it um, organic for Oh, sorry, sorry. I put it on YouTube, but then I also, you, I, you should make it organic for Facebook video, I'm assuming. Maybe make it organic for, for LinkedIn. And then if it was me, and again, I'm just riffing, I go into some of these quilting groups. I guess I would start off saying, hey, who do people think are the top 10 quilters out there? Who are your favorite quilters? And then everybody makes their list. And then later, as I interview them, I'll bring back that thread and I'll say, well, it just so happens I just interviewed this one that you just mentioned. I hope you like it. And that's, and I would do this on the LinkedIn quilting groups, the Facebook ones, the Reddit ones, on Quora, uh, you know, all the places where there might be communities of quilters on, on meetups or on meetup.com, who knows. But uh, that's probably how I would think about it organically. And then, and that means I would be posting content in these groups every day. So people recognize my name and I build kind of an organic brand in them. Is there anything, like what else would you add to that. Yeah. So for organic traffic, um, you know, the key is consistent posting regularly. And that's where most people fall apart. So a lot of people, what they'll do when they want to start a YouTube channel or they want to start a Facebook group is they'll pour all their, all their heart and energy into that first piece of content or that first one or two pieces of content. And I guess at a subconscious level, they have this expectation that it's going to hit the ecosystem of the platform and just blow up and take off. And rarely does it do that. Rarely, um, I'll give you a pri I'll give you a an example right now. So TikTok, um, I I as a side passion love to cook food. So I started making these little food videos, and I post them on TikTok, and I get like a hundred views, hundred fifty views, and I laugh about it because if I post content that's business related or marketing related on Facebook, I'm going to get twenty thousand views in three hours. And here I am on TikTok getting 100 views. So the thing is, though, I'm brand new in that platform on a topic I'm brand new about. It's just going to take time. And so consistency is everything. So if you were to start a Facebook group, you can post that first video, and that's great. Very few people will care because very few people will see it. 
It's the consistency. The platforms, see YouTube, I'll, I'll use YouTube as an example. YouTube will give back to you what you give to it. YouTube wants consistent posters. They don't They don't want people that come and go. So they want someone who's going to post two, three videos, one video per week, every week, because with every video you post, you increase YouTube's ad inventory. So they're partnering with you. So if you learn to think like the platforms that you want to get free mm. traffic from, you will start to really learn what behavior to, to show. That's a good insight. So with YouTube, consistent, same day, same time, every week, Look, you want to do one a week? That's fine. Be consistent. And their algorithm uh, picks up on consistency, even if it's once a week. It does. Or they don't. They don't just pick up on quantity. They know how to measure consistency. It's actually horrible if you post four four at one time and then one the next week and then six at one time and then three the next week. Wow. Every organic traffic expert will tell you never to do that. Whatever the pattern is, and there's and some people will say, "Well, I have to post one a day." No, you don't. You can do great posting one a week, and that's fine. Um, it just make it consistent, same time, same day, same time. Same thing with Facebook groups. Now, with Facebook groups, it's a group. What, what is Facebook looking for? Engagement. They want you to be constantly posting, and they want you to be replying to people. They want to make sure people are replying to each other and that there's a community aspect. So you're not prepared to do that. Now, that's a big commitment. So when you're first starting your group and you get those first 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 members, you're going to be living on that group. So you're going to comment back and nurse it every you know four or five, six times a day. As it grows, you won't need to do that because people will be nursing the group itself. Um, but that's the same thing. I mean, I grew a group early this year um, to 24,000 people and I haven't been that great about it. I mean, I kind of abandoned oh, it. Can you tell the category? Uh, yeah, it was uh, copywriting. So I grew okay. it in the whole copywriting uh, niche and I just, it blew up. We, we tested it as part of a launch strategy. It was awesome, super successful. Um, but then I just haven't had the time to nurse it the way it should be. And you know what? It shows like Facebook, you know, my engagement is down. So the amount that Facebook organically puts my group out there is down, even though it has 24,000 members, numbers don't mean as much. It's all about consistency on these platforms for free traffic. Yeah. So, so, um, so I'm, I'm basically go on every platform, let's say YouTube, my own blog, uh, Facebook, Quora, whatever and um, post every day. And then at some point do the giveaway or get the giveaway ready and start, you know, those initial, um, getting those initial email subscribers. And then also, I guess, consistent in terms of creating content for them. Exactly. You post your link to your opt-in page with the free giveaway in you know, um, the descriptions of your videos, you call it out in your videos. So you give great content at the end. You're like, hey, uh, you know, if you'd like to get more information, I've got a great free report, free book, free video, free workshop, free whatever, um, go sign up and you'll learn more and I'll send you emails with even better content. And you'd be amazed at the number of people. With Facebook groups, by the way, you can use things like group funnels um, and uh you can pull, like, so everyone that joins your group, you can get their email address. Well, at least about 60% of people. So about 60% of the people that join your Facebook group, you can get their email address. So you're actually start automatically building your email list without even having to do anything, um, which is incredible. So that 24,000 person Facebook group I built, um, I actually have about 16, 17,000 of their emails. And so I've been able to monetize and contact them through email. And I'm much better at that. Like I love email marketing. So I've been really good about emailing them and I've made God knows how much money from that versus being active in the group. But hey, it's two birds, one stone. So if you build a Facebook group, use a tool called Group Funnels, tie the two together, and now you're building an email list also. Group Funnels, groupfunnels.com? I think I so. That? Yeah, I would imagine. It's um, by uh, someone we actually publish at Learn. His name is Arnie Giske. 
Um, and I'll look it up for you guys right now. Um, yeah, groupfunnels.com. Yep, yeah, and I don't make any money for this. This is not, you know, I'm just literally um, a really cool tool that we use in the company. And so what, so what does this, I see. So this is managing a Facebook group with this. That's pretty good because I actually just talked about last week how to create uh, an, a for pay online community, with, you know, in part with Facebook. So this is very useful for that too. Yep. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I, I lived in over 100 or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period, and I loved it. I, loved, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs, and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was, I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests? And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away. And I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldicher, would you like to apply to be VP of en Entertainment at NBC or whatever? So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. 
See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or or pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's health care by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I definitely got to use him from now Not on. Not that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash James. Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it, hymns.com slash James. That's how I, how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's hims.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hims.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See Hims.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. So, okay, what if I was going to buy ads? What's Now, if I just buy quilting, that's probably really expensive. That's probably an expensive keyword. How do I find, like, what's the most, what's the best practices if I want to find a cheap way to advertise, but to be just as effective? It's funny. It actually works the other way. Uh, quilting is probably really cheap. Um, it's when you start to get more specific that the costs go up, but that's okay. You, it's The name of the game is not reducing your cost. So, for example, I can go to Google right now and buy the word business. Dirt cheap. Dirt cheap. Really? Yeah, cheap. When you say dirt cheap, what does that mean? Um, I have no idea because I would never do it, but it'll probably be pennies a click. The reason is, business what? I mean, who am I targeting? So who's typing in the word business? It could be a college kid who's researching business school. It could be, I don't know. I have no idea who types in the word business. Maybe they're looking for business magazine. But when you go and you're going to go to Facebook, so let's use quilting as an example. You have to understand how Facebook's algorithm works. So... um, Let's say tomorrow, James, you post uh, something about quilting on Facebook. And maybe you're not even really that into quilting. You posted something because someone you know, a friend, whoever quilted something. And you're like, oh, look at this amazing thing they made. And I come and I like your post that has the word quilting six times in it. And now technically, according to Facebook algorithms, they're like, oh, Onyx Singal likes quilting. But I don't. I only liked the post because of you and because you seem to be excited about it, but that doesn't mean I'm ready to be quilting tomorrow. 
So bidding on just the word quilting may or may not be enough. However, what you what we love to do with keywords and interests are two or three words. I love three-word keywords because they will typically show a lot more intent. Intent is key. So um, how to quilt. Boom. Right. If I can get on that word, let's get on that one because that shows a lot of intent. Or uh, uh, pages. So um, if we go to Facebook, so we'll do this right now. I love to target pages. You can't necessarily target groups, unfortunately, for the moment, but you can target pages. So, um, or, okay, quilting for beginners seems to be a keyword that would probably pop up a lot. Um, Now, the other thing I might do is there might be a magazine for quilting. And so I'll get that magazine's name. And you can do on Facebook something called layering. Now, layering is going to increase your cost. However, that's not always the concern. We are more concerned about cost per acquisition, meaning cost per subscriber, which will typically be better the more specific you get. So what I can do with layering on Facebook is I can say, hey, they have to like the word quilting, but they also have to be a subscriber to this magazine or, or follow this magazine's page. Here's how that protects me. So in that scenario that I, I said before where I liked your post, but I really don't care about quilting, I would get weeded out of that audience because I may fall into the quilting audience, but I didn't also subscribe to the quilting magazine. Hence, I won't be shown the ad, which is a win because I shouldn't be shown the ad. Um, and so, there, and there's a lot of other ways. If we, I mean, we could get into this and spend hours on targeting techniques for Facebook and, and for um, Google, but at the core of it, I want everyone to understand that you want to get as specific as you can especially in the beginning when you're first building your email list because you want them to be very responsive. But yeah, you'd find magazines, you'd find other influencers in the space. There might be an influencer in the quilting space. I'll target her or his name. Um, There will be magazines in the space. There will be existing courses in the space, groups, pages, and I will build my audience by using all of those. So so the three, I like the idea of the three word uh, phrase because also that might be not be as obvious to people who are buying like a lot of people like you like might be like me and just buy quilting as opposed to how to quilt or quilting for beginners or whatever or or a specific name like I like doing specific like for instance if I was going to buy an ad in you know on about baseball I wouldn't buy I wouldn't buy the keyword baseball but I might buy all the top baseball players because maybe some obscure second baseman for a baseball team might have a car, a loyal audience, but it's not an expensive keyword. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, you want to get more specific. Now, remember one thing with Facebook. So Facebook, not every idea you have is targetable. Facebook doesn't target by keyword. They target by something called interest and they determine if something is valid enough to be an interest. So for example, I remember a few years ago when I found out that my name, Onyx Singal, had become an interest on Facebook. And it was like, yay, I'm I'm like, let's see. I'm famous now, you know, like I'm official. But you can't target every business influencer. You can't target every uh, marketing influencer. It's just the ones that they determine. Um, so for example, how to quilt might be a superb keyword on Google, but it may not actually be targetable on Facebook. So you'll have to create your lists and then start putting them in and see which one becomes targetable. And then Facebook's awesome. As you start to put interests in to your ad, 
they know what you're doing and they start to suggest other interests they feel are relevant and they do a good job. They're on your side with that. They're not against you because they, of course, want you to have success. So usually I, I take that very seriously. Now, we can get crazy, okay? So um, once you start building a subscriber base, that's when things get really fun. So let's say you've gone through the, the muck of it for the first 1,000 or 2,000 subscribers. Now you can do fun things like where you can take your subscriber list, upload it back to Facebook, or you may not even need to because if you got them from Facebook, they know who they sent you. And you can tell Facebook, hey, build me a look-alike audience of these people. And that's an easy option. Like anyone could say, super I want to easy to do. Doesn't cause it's for every advertiser has it. And in this is when things start to hit steroids because now you're saying, Facebook, forget all your algorithms, forget all your interests and all this. Here's 2,000 people that were interested enough in quilting that they actually actively subscribed to my email list. I want you to go in your Facebook world and I want you to find more people that look like these people. And I want you to show my ad to them. And Facebook's got, God knows, 40, 50, 60 variables they're going to use from age, sex, uh, employment, interests, where they go, where they eat dinner, where they live, what time they're accessing the internet. I mean, they will use all of these metrics. And I'm amazed. Some of our best marketing, our most profitable marketing happens to these lookalike audiences. So again, like I said, we could go on for hours about the amazing wonders of it, which is why I love doing um, paid advertising or what as I call investment advertising. I don't call it paid because I don't always get my money back. Um, it's just super scalable, super fast. Today, if you told me I build a list of 10,000 people, I'm not exaggerating when I say I need 24 hours tops. Wow. 24 hours and I'll build it. Would you say Facebook is your, your go-to site to do advertising? Would you go to Google, YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, YouTube TikTok? And, yeah, YouTube and Facebook are pretty pretty close. I would say YouTube is my go-to right now. And, and is it the same kind of targeting? Almost same. Yeah, it's a little different, but similar. You can do the same things like, you know, you can still build audiences and all. Um, so YouTube, you can do keyword targeting. So that means any word your heart desires. You don't rely on what they tag as a targetable word. Um, YouTube uh, is the new and up and coming. Um, I think YouTube was well, not so much. It was last year. But um, they're just a lot easier to work with from a compliance perspective. And the cost of advertising is not going to go up nearly as fast as Facebook is going because YouTube has a ever-replenishing inventory because people keep uploading more and more videos. So people will always say, which one do I do first, Facebook or YouTube? That, that's a tough one. Let me tell you why. Google, which is where YouTube sits, right? YouTube is owned by Google. Google advertising, I have always joked, has kind of a built-in hazing program, whether they admit to it or not. It's almost like when you first join, things are more expensive, things are more complicated, your results are not nearly as good, um, but until you hit this point, which no one's been able to define. It's whatever Google feels where Google says, okay, you're one of us now, we'll let you in. Um, what's really happening at a technological level is Google's advertising is even more data-driven, I believe, than Facebook's in many ways. So it takes them longer to build that data. So initially when you're advertising, they're trying to figure out who is your right person. So costs are higher, results are less. Facebook seems to have it dialed in better in the beginning. They get you results right off the bat. However, Google, then you can scale and grow a lot faster and bigger with for the future. 
Also, Facebook is just having all kinds of compliance issues. So your advertising gets put through like six different filters, and they're a little bit of a pain to work through that. Now, again, depends on what space you're in. If you're in the quilting space, you're not going to have any compliance issues. But if you're in the financial or the work from home or business development space, you're going to have issues, claims, and things like that. So there is no right or wrong answer to which platform uh, is the best. You know, now um, one of our agencies that we use, they're all over us to start doing TikTok ads because it's big right now. Um, we had a lot of success here with link, uh, this year with LinkedIn ads. But here's the irony. LinkedIn ads only worked for us on one of our campaigns, not all of our products. So like when you do advertising, it, it really does depend which course, which program, which target demographic you're going for. But as an overarching rule, Facebook and YouTube will pretty much work for everything you do. Um, and it's a tie between the two, which one's better. Uh, I will say that collectively, if you looked at how much money I've invested in advertising since I started, Facebook takes the cake. I mean, I've probably put way more into that platform in the last five years. And if you're using YouTube, what's best practices for finding the right keyword? Like I know there are tools like I could put in quilting for beginners and it'll, it'll spit out like highly correlated keywords mm -hmm. that might be unobvious. Yeah, you know one of the funniest tips out there that's used by some of the top advertisers on YouTube? Uh, go to Google, okay? Just go to google.com and type in, right so now. we'll do it right now. Um, just We'll pull up just google.com and what I'm going to do is type in quilting. And it starts to give me keywords. Quilting fabric, quilting cotton, quilting patterns, quilting yeah. machines, quilting stores near me, quilting supplies, quilting for beginners, quilting sewing machines. Yeah, like... Uh, Congratulations. These are amazing words. Yeah, like what quilting supplies do I need? When I put it, when yeah. I tell you, I started typing in what quilting, what quilting, what quilting machine to buy. This is great. What's quilting in Spanish? Yeah. I'm not a quilter, and I I would have never thought of quilting patterns. Makes sense. So I would go dig, dig into that a little bit. Guess what? People that are in the middle of doing quilting are probably looking for quilting patterns. So it's probably a great keyword to get in front of. But here, I'll go further. So I type in quilting for beginners. So I typed in the whole keyword, quilting for beginners. And now I see quilting for beginners kit, quilting for beginners YouTube, quilting for beginners uh, book, quilting for beginners free, free patterns. patterns. Um, man. I'm just going to start writing these down. Now, the nice thing is um, Google will do this for you as well. When you're in their ad platform on the back end and you start to type keywords in, they start to give you suggestions. Um, and that's a great way to expand your keyword list when you're building your ads. Okay, so these are great uh, tips for both for pay and organic list building. We've talked about the giveaway. We talked about the number you need. And uh, uh, just real quickly, uh, the math on 10,000. Let's say I've got, uh, uh, let's say I build my list in this way. So we're fairly confident that my 10,000 people are interested in quilting and they're probably, you know, sophisticated beginners. Like they're not completely beginners. They're, they know enough to know what a quilting pattern is, for instance. So if I now offer something, um, let's say I offer, uh, well, let's say I offer a new thing for free. Like, oh, get my second giveaway book of interviews, what percent of, what percentage of, well, 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 actually, let me ask this first. Let's say I have 10,000 people on my email list and I send out any content at all about quilting. What do you think my open rate should be? Like how many people will open that email? Sure. So I always give my students this gauge. If you have 20%, you are doing great. If you have 15%, you're doing good. If you have 10%, you're doing average and anything below 8%, there's a problem. Um, I have now, there's, there, this is just rough ballpark. So we have 
students doing 40% open rates. And that's totally doable. The, it just depends on the topic. A lot of times also, if you you are a brand, right? Maybe you are um, an authority in your space or an influencer in your space, you'll have higher open rates. Um, for example, we do a lot of work with Robert Kiyosaki. Robert Kiyosaki can send an email and get a 45% open rate because he's got an audience he built over, I don't know, 30 years that loves him. So they open his emails and he's done a good job catering to them, right? Doesn't waste their time on email. Um, but 20% is, you know, you're doing great, especially at a size of 10,000 person email list. 20% is very attainable and should be the number you shoot for. Now, the bigger your list gets, um, those numbers can obviously get changed because other technical things become a problem like deliverability and all of that. But 10 to 20% is a good number. The reason 10,000 is the number I've come up with it actually mathematically makes a lot of sense. I call it the 10 and 10 rule. So 10% should be what you're going to get open rate wise, you know, as a minimum. So that means a thousand people will open your email out of 10,000. Okay. Why do I call it 10 and 10? Because the next figure that you have to watch for is your click rate. That's the number of people that will actually click the link in your email. So minimum, you should have 10% there. But it's the same metrics again. 20 would be great. 10, uh, 15 would be really good. 10 would be average. And anything below 6 or 7% or whatever is going to be needs work. So so let's say I have like, you know, Dr. Annie Quilter is the best quilter in the world. And here's her bio. She's been doing it for 75 years. Uh, here's her latest patterns, blah, blah, blah. And here's a link to, I can't believe Annie, Dr. Annie Quilter gave me her top 10 tips for beginning quilters. And here's a link to her top 10 tips. Go check it out for free. And you would expect then a 10% of the 10%, so 100 to click on that. Yeah, minimum, right? So we're going bare, yeah. we're going like super minimum conservative. Why do I come up with the number 10,000? Why does that seem to be the magic number? Because worst, worst case scenario, you should be 10 and 10 means you got 100 clicks. Now, most decent sales pages are going to convert to 3%. Great ones will convert higher. Crappy ones will convert at 1%. And so since I like to do my analysis on worst of worst of worst, I'll consider 1% as my conversion rate. So 10% open rate, which was meh, average, 10% click rate, average, worst conversion, 1%. What's 1% 1 of 100? It's one. So I got a sale. So at 10,000 person email list, even if you go to your worst numbers, you should get at least one sale every time you make a recommendation. And what we find with our students is they get like 10, 20 at 10,000 people. But again, I'm just going worst case scenario. Where do the numbers improve? Well, they get a heck of a lot more people to open. They get a heck of a lot more people to click. And they don't promote sales pages that convert at 1%. They promote pages that convert at 7, 8, 9%. So that's where the 10,000 number is magical because it feels like every time you send an email, you see some movement. Whereas a lot of people will quit when they have a subscriber base of 500 people. First of all, they worked the hardest to build that list of 500, right? Because they, it's new, they, they were slogging, they were making content, they earned every one of those subscribers. But mathematically speaking, you, you're not statistically valid yet for a sale. And that is why you might send six, seven, eight, nine emails without getting a sale. And it's very demoralizing to people, but you're actually right where you're supposed to be if you understand the math. So 10% of 500 is 50, 10% of 50 is five, five clicks. You need might to have a sales, a sale. You need to have a sales page that converts at 20% to get a sale at that. 
Now, do you think it's harder to build a list now that, I mean, there's so many platforms, like everything from MailChimp to Substack, which makes it really easy to set up a, an email list. Like everybody's setting up email lists now. Is it getting too competitive to get people to subscribe? Easier than ever before. Seriously. I guess that's true. Like I subscribe to more than I've ever subscribed yeah. bef to before. I'm a co-founder of an email delivery, email service provider, Sendling. I'm literally a co-provider of a company that would say we're competitors with MailChimp. And uh, I, we get, I get the amazing benefit of watching over, like I think it's like some 1.6 billion emails a month that are being sent out yeah. using our platform. Um, and no. I mean, it's going, that's why I love the marketers out there that love to use the hook and angle of email is dead to sell their social media nonsense. And I just laugh because I'm watching it literally not be dead. And also every person I talk to, it's like, how many times a day do you check your email? Most people check their email minimum six to 10 times a day. How is that dead? It's not dead at all. Um, so actually we're seeing it just as active, just as alive, just as simple, and, and it's just as profitable um, than it really ever was. Wow, that's so interesting. So um, all right. So, so I, I got my 10,000. I, I want to do a sale, uh, or, or I want to sell, you know, Annie's affiliate program or whatever. I'm, I'm going to link to Annie's educational courses. And, and as a result, I'm going to get $15 per subscriber plus 50% of all that first kit. So I might make up to a hundred dollars a sale. And even if I get on a list of 10,000, if I get one per day, uh, potentially, you know, that could be, you know, four or $5,000 a month yeah. on just a basic list with the worst case statistics on quilting, which is totally boring. <laughs> exactly. Um, and we took, so we came to this math with everyone listening together with the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. We, we picked not a great niche. I won't say it's the worst, but not a great one for monetizing online. We picked the worst open rates, the worst click rates, the worst conversion rates of the page that we're promoting and still got to a place where it's not that hard to get a sale a day um, and to start making money. And the other thing I love about this is this is truly, I can't say it's truly 100% passive because you got to write an email. So I guess it's not fully passive, but it is recurring income. So that's the other thing, right? So if you are building an e-commerce store, which I love, and that's superb, but it's different than building an email list. An email list is mine. I own that asset. I can pass it down generations to my kids. I could sell it. It has an actual physical value to it. Um, and Or I can just keep emailing it every day or every month. And so now the numbers we've worked out is that per subscriber, you are going to make X amount per month. And that number ranges from 50 cents a month per subscriber to a buck 50, uh, to even higher, by the way. But uh, this is the averages. Now, the 50 cents a month is going to click in about a month to six weeks into your journey as an email marketer. So there are things you need to learn. So it's not like you're going to start email marketing and tomorrow morning you're making 50 cents per subscriber. There's also some numbers that apply here. You can't have an email list of 500 and start applying these, these numbers to, mm. because mathematically not statistically valid yet. So I have a lot of students who'll say, Anik, you said I can make up, you know, we have this workshop that we do where I, I do the numbers. I actually do the math with everybody, show them 50 cents up to a dollar, up to a dollar 50. And so some people will take a dollar as an easy example and say, I have a list of 500. I'm not making $500 a month. How many times did you email your list? Six. I didn't get any sales. Well, that's the problem. You, first of all, have to be consistent daily, at least five times a week. But at 500, you're not statistically valid. That statistically valid number doesn't show up until about three or 4,000 subscribers, at which point you're driving in a volume. But um, 50 cents 
a month per subscriber takes into account the size of your list and then your particular skill. You still need to get good at this. At Learn, we're sitting at more um, buck fifty to two dollars per subscriber value. Um, some months even higher because we know what we're doing. We've we've mastered this, and then we have students. I have a lot of students that are sitting in the dollar dollar twenty per subscriber range. That seems to be per month. Yeah, per month. A dollar seems to be very attainable for people. So so a dollar per month is twelve dollars per year. Well, let's just say I like the six month number for various reasons. So six months is. Uh, uh, six dollars for is the six month value of a subscriber. So the reason why this is important to calculate is I'd probably be willing to spend three, four dollars to get someone who's gonna get a, subs a list subscriber who I'm gonna I'm gonna get that three, four dollars back in three or four months, and I'm gonna be profitable at six months. Yeah, um, and and actually it gets even better than that. And let me explain to you why. Because we've talked about recurring value, but we didn't talk about the initial value. So when you follow the system that we share, um, and I will, I'll drop a URL for everybody here. We set something up very special for just you know your audience, but they can oh, watch great. a workshop um, where I, I do all of this, and um, I'll show that everyone to that in a second. But there is an initial value of a subscriber. So we show you how to monetize them up front. And then they turn into the per month. So actually, if you're going to look at a six-month value, you have two elements. You have to look at what their at-cart value, I call it. At-cart means anything that they do within the first about three to four days. Typically, we find that we can get our subscribers, again, when done the right way through the right models, within the first few days, they're worth at least 2 to $3, if not more. What kind of offer do you, do you set? There's that? a wide range. So we show people how you can do offers as simple as what we call CPA offers. So a CPA offer is, hey, you know, put in your name and email address here to get a quote. And there's companies out there that will pay me as an affiliate five bucks, 10 bucks for everyone who just fills out an empty form. Um, there's also low ticket products I can sell, $47, $5,700 products. Um, and then there's products that are $1,000, $2,000, $3,000, and I can earn 50% commission. So I will say your customer value initially on the first few days is highest when you're selling those high-ticket programs, but you're also going to pay a little bit more for that lead. So not it's not proportional, though. So that's why I love selling as an affiliate. I love selling high-ticket products. It's the most profitable. So why I love that initial value, that first three, four, five-day value, is because that typically will pay for the cost of the subscriber. So then after that, every month, even within the first 30 days, I'm profitable. So just so you know, like at our company, uh, we are 150%, sorry, 50% profit within the first four days. So if I spent $7 to get a subscriber, I'm going to make 11 within the first four days. So I'm already mm -hmm. gonna be that much profitable. And now I have that subscriber to go on with me every month thereafter. It makes scaling a company so fast and easy. But you, yes, why is it? Is because I know my numbers and I know the value of having an email lead. It's tremendous. So, so also, if you have this email list, you can't just send out sales offers because people will say like, oh, another sales offer. You got to create good content. What are some best practices for how often should I send out an email list? How often should I have like, you know, my own organic articles? And what, how do I get those articles? Do I pay others? Do I write them myself? 
I'm like, there, there's so many models that you can follow and, and there's no right or wrong. So it depends on everyone's natural flow. Right, because you could even make your list like an, uh, an offers list so people know what they're getting into in the beginning. Yeah, you can you can totally do that, by the way. I mean, you can create a deal a day list and people will love you for it. And you might have the best open rates like from anybody else. I actually find when I over content my list, this is where people say, no way. And I've you got to remember, I've been doing this for years. I've tested everything. If I over content my list, my list, my open rates and click rates go down. You know, I've noticed that too with myself, but you know, a lot of people have different philosophies on that. Yeah, you can have a philosophy, but I'm a tester. So um, right. numbers, numbers don't need philosophy. Numbers are numbers, they're facts. And so what happens is it's just human psychology. Look, people like buying stuff. You don't have to be scared of selling people stuff. Just make sure you're selling them good stuff. I mean, that's, that's, up, that's up to you. But people enjoy buying stuff. And if you're not the one recommending them things that they can purchase, someone else is, and they're taking their business over there. But having said that, um, you do, you, if you could put out one strong piece of content per week, that's enough, right? So you might put out one really good YouTube video, mail to the YouTube video. And then the next day, maybe you send an email saying, hey guys, we're talking about my video over on Facebook. Come join the conversation. So there's so many ways to get creative with your content, to repurpose it and reuse it. You don't have to write. People will think, oh my God, I have to put out a piece of content every day. No, not at all. Um, and you can use that video to promote something. So you could do 30 minutes of great content at the end of it. Say, hey, by the way, if you want to implement this, check out Annie's you know, um, awesome quizzing program. And so you, I, I call it hybrid, okay? So there's four kinds of emails you can send out. This is what I teach my students. You can send out content emails, story emails, or pitch emails. All right, so content makes sense, right? Just like five ways to blah, 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 six ways to do this. Story emails, which people love, is talking a little bit about yourself. Something happened to you. Oh, yesterday my plane had to do an emergency landing. By the way, it was one of my best subject lines. I said, uh, it was uh, yesterday my um, plane almost crashed. It was what, what, what I put in my subject line. One of the best ones, right? And told a story. Uh, the third one is is straight up pitch. I have a new product. It's 50% it's off until tomorrow. And the fourth kind of email is my favorite. I call them hybrid, where I do a little bit of both. So I, I can combine content with pitch or a story with pitch. I would say 70%, 75% of the emails I send out to my list are what we call hybrid. So I will teach a little bit, but it somehow merges its way into a promotion. People love it. People have no problem. As long as you are providing value, people have no problem with you selling to them. They have no so issue. So like, for instance, you might say, um, you know, five really important copywriting techniques. And to get the next five, you know, I've written a special booklet just for you. Check out this link here. Or, or I contacted my friend who's got a whole book on this and we've got this offer for you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so like once a week is good. Once, like, what do you think is? Yeah. Um. So I like to promote to my, I mean, I, I like to email my list every day of the week. So, mon you know, we go Monday through Sunday. Um, dare I say some days I even mail twice. Our open rates and click rates are amazing. They stay high. Everyone loves it. We don't get complaints because our emails are good. We make sure we're staying relevant. I don't promote, though, more than one, maybe two things a month. So really? you can okay. imagine all of my emails are somehow building up towards that one thing. So, um, you know, I have my podcast, which I release once every week. We have contests we do, giveaways we do. Um, we'll do you know, all kinds of random stuff. We have, And then a lot of times the promotion we are doing is through a webinar. So we have, you know, we will promote that webinar for days, um, getting people opted in for it. So 
I call it a narrative. We come up with a narrative every month. What's our list's narrative? What's the outcome? What's the goal? What's the value we're giving? And then how do we build the narrative for it? And the narrative, we always want story, content, you know, a giveaway for the excitement, something free for the content. And then we kind of build up so that the whole time you've been teaching them, giving to them, building up reciprocity, building up value. And then at the end, you have the right to ask them for money. And uh, let's say I want to show this to my daughters and they don't have any real interests that seem monetizable. Like one's interested in ballet, the other's interested in TikTok dance videos, whatever. I don't know. I'm just making it up. And what what's a good way to find what topics might be trending? So we went to magazines.com and that was an interesting way, but is there like, is there any kind of best practices for like to find out what today is a good trending yeah. product. Uh, go to Google Trends, first of all. Um, but that might be a little bit too minutiae, too detailed, because it literally looks for keywords and hashtags that are trending. Um, you know, so in the workshop where we teach email marketing, um, I talk about this, and we actually drop a bunch of niches in the workshop that you can write down, but it comes down to three major categories, health, wealth, and relationships. These are the three most profitable buckets for email marketing: health, wealth, and and relationships. So, so, what are so, we, so there's another way of saying that: get laid, get paid, lose weight. <laughs> there you go, exactly. Right. So, um, you'll you'll see like kind of quilting. Does it really fit those? Eh, not not really. Which is why we were saying it's not one of the most profitable niches to be in. Doesn't mean it's not a good one or it's not a niche to be in. It just means it's probably not one of the best ones. So when we get students that come to us and say, "Where do we start?" You know, that's kind of like health, wealth, and um, relationships. These are the three. If, if your niche can fall within those. Now, some people will say, I'm starting a health newsletter. Well, uh, wait, hold on a second. You got to be more specific. What about health? Oh, weight loss. Okay, fine. Be more specific. What about weight loss? Oh, I'm, you know, weight loss for women. Mm, be more specific. So we, I will push our students to get as specific as they can because if you can get specific enough but still have a large audience, bam, that's when you're going to make it. So keto diet for um, moms, you'll crush it, right? Your That's newsletter funny. is about a keto diet for moms. You are going to kill it because you are specific, relevant, and you're the probably the only keto diet for moms newsletter that they're subscribed to. And let's say you, you're not an expert, but like, is, is there a best practice for like creating content for regular content for this? Like, let's say I'm going to do keto for new parents. And I don't really know anything about keto interviews. and I don't really know anything. Oh, so interviews and yeah. um, I guess are link fests good? So like I have all the relevant links of the week that you should check out oh, or? Yes, all of them. That's why everything is good, right? There is no right or wrong. It's the rhythm you build with your list and then just staying to it. But interviews are great. Um, interviews can be broken up as well. So you could do one interview for an hour and break it up into two or three pieces of content released over the week. That's great. You can do link fest. Absolutely. Resources of the week. Um, I'm part of a newsletter right now. It's funny that's about traffic acquisition, and uh, they mail pretty actively every day. And um, I'm, I don't really read during the weekdays, but there is a newsletter that comes out every Saturday, and it is a compilation of the top seven or eight traffic type of articles that have been published in the last week at other sites, not theirs. It's the one I read every week. Can you tell us what that newsletter is? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's Justin Brooks. Uh, tra I forgot what it's called now. Uh, he calls it Traffic for Busy People. But Justin Brook, uh, if you go to adskills.com, uh, you can sign up for it. Yeah, got it. Um, yeah, I'll, okay, perfect. Um, well, look, Anik, 
you've shared so much information. I know this is your business to sell this information. So I really appreciate it. I'm sure there must be some a million questions I didn't ask, but I think I feel ex I, I always love it when I do one of these side hustle Fridays and I'm eager to, I wish I was like 21 years old and saying like, screw the corporate job. I'm just going to do this. And you've just gave me all the tools, but, uh, I'm glad this is a viable way for, I, I always think to myself, I should get my daughters to watch this or, or listen to this uh, podcast. So you mentioned earlier, uh, where, yeah. can, where, where can my daughters go and where can the listeners go to find out more? Yeah, that's a great question. So so listen, there's only so much we can cover, but um, we have a workshop that we've done for all of those who listen to James Altucher. I mean, listen, we go through in this workshop, I build it piece by piece by piece. We build the business. We show you how it works. We show you all the different pieces, the top niches, how to monetize. We even give away all the top URLs of places you can go to sign up for over 100,000 profitable affiliate programs that are all free mm -hmm. to join. Really cool. Just go to learn.com, L-U-R-N.com forward slash Altature. All right. So you got to go to this specific URL to get this specific training lurn.com forward slash A-L-T-U-C-H-E-R. And it'll take you L -U -R -N, to L-U-R-N, learn, but L-U-R-N. L-U-R-N.com, Altature. And it'll allow you to sign up for a date and time that fits you to take our training. And on that workshop, we'll share with you really simple ways of how to get this business up and running um, and in all the details. And we, we reveal niches. We give you exactly where to go to find affiliate programs. I show you some of my businesses so you can visually see how they work. Um, it's fun too. It's just, it's and, a, it's a fun and this is doable. Like I mean, everything we said sounds totally doable. Sounds pretty as, as cheap or as expensive as someone wants it to be. And they could start a business. Absolutely. Um, why doesn't everyone do this? Yes. Uh, you know what? I don't, I don't know why everyone doesn't do it. I've been trying, I've been preaching the same message for 17 years and people will sometimes ask me, is this really real? Is it really true? And I would say, look, man, I'm 37 years old. I've been teaching this since I was 20. I've, I'd be really dumb if I was doing this for 17 years and I'd be really lucky to have survived 17 years of teaching this if it didn't work and if I wasn't doing justice by our students. It's awesome. It works. Is it a, is it a magic wand? No, nothing in life worth having is. Um, but absolutely talk about a gig that you actually can. And you know, it's funny, just side story. I was at the beach in December last year, um, in Dominican Republic. And I laughed, my wife is sitting next to me had a laptop up and I actually sent an email while sitting on the beach and I laughed and she's like, what are you laughing at? And I said, you know, for 17 years, we use this visualization of want to be able to work from the beach, from my laptop. <laughs> and I was like, I just realized I just did it. <laughs> like I literally just sent an email that's going to make me thousands of dollars. And I did it from the beach while sipping a Mai Tai. So um, that's funny. Totally doable. In the past four or five months, how has your best new student done? Our best new student is someone who actually started using an email list um, to build. And then they're, they're selling coaching programs. So they're not using affiliate marketing, um, but they're doing over $25,000 a month. And they are um, their first month. I want to say their second month was probably seventy dollars or $80,000. They are partners with another company, they sell their coaching program, but they do get on the phone. So they use an email list to warm them up, to get them to book a call with them, a consultation call. And then on that call, they sell. So it's a little bit of a different system, but I want to say in the last four months, this individual has already done over $170,000, $180,000 wow. in business. What, what about affiliate type deals? Uh, in the affiliate world, we have consistent, I, I wouldn't know in the last four months specifically, but we have constant case studies being posted of people doing $300 a day up to $1,000 a day. 
And right. realistically, we say it takes at least a month, month of diligent effort to get up to that point. But it's constant. We're constantly seeing those stories. Well, on, uh, Anik uh, Singal uh, from learn.com, uh, L-U-R-N.com slash Altature, you just said. Yes. Uh, thanks. You provided huge value. Thanks so much. This is another edition of Side Hustle Fridays. I'm almost going to run out of topics to do on these because this is like every, every one that I, I do, I feel like, oh, this is the one that everybody should be doing. But uh, this is such great content. So, and it's so necessary right now in today's economy, in today's world. So thanks again, Anik. I really appreciate you coming on. Man, thanks for having me. It was my honor. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Excellent. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation.